This message is brought to you by 12 Stone Church. Dr. John C. Maxwell delivers this teaching entitled Paul's Passion. We hope this serves you well. Please enjoy. Great to see you this morning on this uh, spring break weekend. Uh, If you have kids, hope you got plans to enjoy uh, some of this coming week. Uh, Several years ago, though, for our family, we were at the beach, and uh, I panicked. For five to ten minutes, we couldn't find our youngest, Jaden, and he was about five years old, and uh, he was lost for just a few minutes, but it was enough. And you'll know why I panicked when I went to his older teenage siblings and said, hey, you have Jaden. He said, oh, I thought the other one did. You get it? So now the panic sets in. And um, it just overwhelmed me. And I did that. Parent, uh, help me, kids. I mean, I just begged them, find Jaden. And I began to jog along the edge of the ocean yelling for Jaden. I didn't care what anybody thought. And uh, then we found him. And yes, uh, you know, in short order, and it all got resolved quickly enough. But for that window of time, uh, the intensity and the meaning of what uh, it means to be lost and then found, uh, uh, you know, took on new weight for me. And where I'm going with all that is all of us have people who are near us and far from God. And they are spiritually lost. And God our Father, uh, almost like I did in that moment with the kids, invites us in to join with him and begs us uh, to help join in reaching his sons and daughters who are spiritually lost. Literally, 2 Corinthians 5 says that as if God makes his appeal through us, that's how engaged we are in this process, that people might be reconciled to God. And so here we are in week two of what's on my mind. And part of what's on my mind um, is this, where we left off last week, this whole calling of the church that God has set in the soul of the church a, a very distinct purpose that we would be involved in reaching people who are spiritually lost. And I, I, I said, that's people who have zero interest in God all the way to a 10. All, like, like this is the journey to God. And here is where you restored to God. And then to be followers of Jesus Christ and grow up spiritually 10 to 20. We kind of talked about that. And you can go online and pick up last weekend's teaching. If you missed that, it'll, it'll add substance to this. And, that, and, and then we talked about that, that Jesus modeled a spiritual maturity that gives us uh, the life God longs for us. Life to the full. A more better life and that it's three things in one and Jesus modeled a spiritual intimacy and a biblical knowledge and a holy obedience in fact campus pastors and I met this past week and we talked this has been such a dialogue since it was uh delivered last weekend among 12 stoners that we're going to make that the series between Mother's Day and Father's Day this year so more of that's coming so people like uh, can you unpack that more but but today we're right back here um what does it mean for us uh to to be engaged in helping spiritually lost people come to their created purpose and, and know God, their heavenly Father. And so with this is a, a bit of a confession for me. And that's, I think, why it's been so weighty on me and what's on my mind is that uh, in recent months, God's kind of revealed uh, in my spirit, you know, Kevin, the more the church has grown uh, over recent years, 
The more involved in the activity of church you become and the less personally you've been engaged in living intentionally and reaching people personally, relationally, who are far from God. Not, not we as a church. I know it's in our DNA. I know it's in our soul. We see thousands of people coming to Christ. That's all awesome. And you're involved. And you make that happen. But he's saying you personally, you individually, you used to work really uh, in, in t- attentively and intentionally to be involved in people's lives who are far from God. And a- almost God bringing back and saying, uh, we're here to live intentionally and to love unconditionally and to answer clearly. And um, so that's so weighed on me. I engaged the dialogue with my mentor, John Maxwell, and God put a message in John that is so anointed that I had him bring it to uh, our whole staff and, and captured it. And, and with that said, man, if God anoints us, I'm going to bring it to the whole church because what's on my mind is really what's on God's mind. And... Um, that time was uh, so meaningful that if God even does a little bit in your heart what he did in mine uh, during that teaching and in the heart of the staff, then you're going to have a little mini awakening right now with God. So um, that's my prayer. Lord, would you uh, do among us the kind of thing you've been doing in me and you're doing in the staff in these moments right here in Christ's name. Amen. So grab your Bibles, and uh, I'm going to let you in on uh, John's teaching. You have your uh, notes on the back of your bulletin. Here's Dr. John Maxwell. Enjoy. Hi, I'm John Maxwell. I'm delighted to be with you today. And before I teach the lesson, I have something very special that I want to share with you as a congregation. Um, my, my newest book, No Limits, has just been released in the last few days. Now, that wasn't the something special I wanted to share with you as a congregation. Trust me, I, since I've done a hundred of them, I've got a hundred specials, okay? <laughs> but what is special is uh, in this book, I have dedicated it to your pastor. And uh, I would like, uh, Kevin, if you wouldn't mind, if you'd come up on stage, I want to read you something. It's out of the book, and, and then I want to read a note to you, and then I want you to give your pastor a hand, because uh, when I dedicate a book, I, I think of a person that, that I love greatly that really kind of uh, emphasizes the message of whatever the book is. And, and this one is on how to reach capacity, how to blow the caps off of, off of your capacity. And so I wrote this to you, Kevin, to Kevin. Uh, I've observed you for more than 30 years, and I've been part of your life for 20. Your hunger to grow, lead, and make a difference has set the tone for your life, and I've watched you blow the cap off your capacity time after time. As much as anyone I know, you have proven that people can overcome the limits put on them by themselves and others, and your greatest impact is still ahead of you. And I wrote this to you, Kevin, as a note to Kevin. You live the words of this book, and you inspire me to keep growing. Your friend, John Maxwell, dedicated to your pastor, Kevin Myers. Nice. Love you, buddy. I appreciate you. Feel love you. More than kind. Thank you. That's a beautiful gift. Yeah. yeah I'm honored, man. Thank you. I appreciate you. And the reason as a congregation you're reaching capacity at 12 stone is because you have your pastor and your leaders, your staff, all the time trying to absolutely maximize their potential. And that's why you have the benefits of a growing, thriving church that's truly making a difference. And I'm delighted to teach the lesson uh, today, and it's entitled, My Prayer for 2017. Now you have to understand, every year I ask God for a word, And I ask God for a verse, and then I ask God for a prayer. 
And uh, I use those three things kind of to guide me and navigate me throughout my year. And so in 2016, last part of December, I started searching for what's, what's, what's my prayer going to be for this year. And my prayer is taken by the Apostle Paul out of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And my prayer basically is simple. My prayer is that you and I would possess the passion that Paul had to reach people for Jesus Christ. I pray that for myself. I pray that for every one of you, that we would have the same passion that Paul had to reach people for Christ. And so I want you to look at the Scripture and, and understand this is Paul's passion. This is what his heart cries out for. So let's go. Even though I'm free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous moralist, loose-living immoralist, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ. But I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. In this section, Paul's passion for Christ begins to really reveal itself. And I want you to see it. I want you to sense it. Paul's passion to reach people for Christ, number one, changed him. It totally changed who he was. And I know that because that first verse speaks of the fact, even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all. In other words, Paul said, I want you to understand I'm very free. Can do anything I want to do, go anywhere I want to go, be anything I want to be. Ah, got a free life. But because I want to reach people for Christ, I've changed my life. And the freedoms that I could enjoy, the things I could do, I put on the side so that I could begin to serve people, so that I could begin to add value to people, so that I could begin to influence people to make an impact on them so I would have the opportunity of sometimes somewhere sharing Christ with them. Paul's mission of reaching people for Christ determined how he lived his life. You see, Paul put others first instead of himself first. I can still remember as a young leader hearing Zig Ziglar in my 20s when he said, if you will help other people get what they want, they'll help you get what you want. And I can remember as a young business guy and leader, I, I said, I, oh, I got it. I, I've, I've always tried to get people on my train and get on my vision. And he said, no, no, turn that around. Go find out where they are and help them with what they want and what they need. And if you do that, then they'll come your way. And, and, and you can have basically everything that you want in life. And I remember I, I just literally turned that day as a leader and said, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Now, what Paul is doing, changing this life of freedom to a life of I'm going to serve and add value to people, it's not natural. It's not natural because we're selfish. We're all selfish. 
We don't want to serve. We want to be served. I mean, we get up every day and say, wow, hope something good happens to me today. Very seldom we say, hope something good happens to others. It's kind of a little centered there. Well, wow, hope some boy, I just, you know, yeah, just, I'm just looking for something good to happen to me today. Well, that's who we are. It's okay. And if you think you aren't selfish, if you're a little delusional, <laughs> if you aren't, think you aren't selfish, just let me ask you a question. When you're in a group picture, when you look at that group picture, who is the first person that you look for? <laughs> and when you see yourself, and by the way, if you look good, you say, oh, great picture. Whoa, yeah, yeah. Hey, send that to me. Yeah, I'll take that one. Yeah, send that. And if you don't look good, you say, oh, let's, come on, let's do it again. Bad picture, bad picture. Let's, let's get a get better one this time. Well, it's just who we are. We, we, we just kind of are in the center of our life. And the Apostle Paul said that if I'm going to reach people, the first thing I have to do is get over selfishness. And that reminds me of Jesus Christ. How Christ-like, putting other people first by adding value to them. Philippians chapter 2. If you've got anything out of following Christ, if this love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor, agree with each other, love one another, be deep-spirited friends, don't push your way to the front, don't sweet-talk your way to the top, put yourself aside, help others get ahead, don't be obsessed about getting your own advantage. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. And he gives this incredible talk about putting people first. And then he says, let me give you the picture of what that means. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to that advantage of the status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave, became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. So when I talk about reaching people for Christ, and I talk about my prayer, the foundation of that is that we get over ourselves and we begin to live a selfless life of serving and adding value to people. It's all about people who don't know God. It's not about me. It's all about them. So his passion to reach others basically changed Paul and the way he lived his life. The second thing it did is it, his passion to reach people for Christ included everyone. Everyone. I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. Religious, non-religious, meticulous, moralist, loose-living immoralist, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. You see, Paul had service with a purpose. And his service with a purpose was to reach a wide range of people. Again, sounds just like Jesus to me. For God so loved the Oh, yeah. World. I think that's a wide range of people, don't you? 
That's kind of that's kind of big. I think that's I think that's very inclusive. That God so loved the world. Here's what I want you to understand. Here's what every day I understand. Everybody is somebody that Jesus died for. Everybody. Everybody is somebody that Jesus died for. It's beautiful to know that God loves you, isn't it? Huh? Isn't it beautiful? Why don't you repeat after me, God loves me. God loves me. Isn't that beautiful? He just does. He, he loves me. Look at your neighbor and say, God loves you right now. It's kind of good, isn't it? Huh? Feels good. Feels good to have somebody tell you God loves you. God loves me. God loves you. Hey, repeat after me. God loves people I don't know. God loves people I don't know. Yeah, he does. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? People you and I don't even know God loves. One, one more. Repeat after me. God loves people I don't like. I don't like. And therein is the problem with the church. The people in the church don't like some of the people outside of the church. And that is as far away from Jesus as I can think. You talk about being lost. If that's how you feel, you're lost. You don't know Jesus. You've never followed his footprints through the Gospels and seen how he cared for people that no one else cared for. And remember, the only people that couldn't handle Jesus when he was here on earth were religious people because they didn't like the people that he liked. And you and I are going to have to begin to ask ourselves a very simple question. Are we going to connect with lost people or are we going to correct lost people? And we can't do both. You see, God doesn't change us so he can accept us. That's what the church wants to do. church wants to change all those people so that they're kind of like us, so that we can accept them. We all kind of feel good. So, so we're, into, we're into, oh man, we, boy, they're going, to get, they're going to come and be like us. But that isn't God's intention for those people. God doesn't change us so that he can accept us. Notice, he accepts us so he can change us. We've got it totally turned around. His unconditional love accepts and loves everybody. The story of the prodigal son is an amazing story. Because the father always wanted the son to come home. The father always walked down the path looking down the road to see if this would be the day the son came home. It was the son that was having the problem, and the son was having a problem because he messed his whole life off, disobeyed the dad. He knew he had screwed everything up. And so now he's kind of messed up and he's not in good shape and he's wanting to go home, but he doesn't want to go home. And finally he kind of dumbs himself down and says, okay, I have, I'm, I'm in such bad shape, I'll go home. But when I go home, I'll go home as a servant, not as a son. I'll say, hey, Dad, I don't deserve to be your son. I'll tell you what, do you have a bunk in the barnyard somewhere? I'll go hang out there. I'll be a servant, not a son. Now what I want you to understand is the lost people never feel capable of acceptance from God. And when we sin, 
It drives us from him. I mean, Adam and Eve, what did they do? They hid when they sinned. You see, God's looking for Adam and Eve. The father is looking down the road for his son. You see, God is always the same, loving, embracing, welcoming, caring, unconditionally loving everybody. He's, he's just waiting for you to come to him. But there's a problem. And there's a problem of the elder brother, the religious person who basically says, okay, I guess you could come back home, but you ought to pay something for it. You, you certainly couldn't be on the same level I am because I've been around Dad all of my life, and I've, really, I've been the obedient one, you've been the disobedient one, and I don't know why we're having a party. You, you, you see, isn't it interesting, some of the unhappiest people when lives are greatly changed are the people who should be the happiest. We, we've, we've kind of gotten lost. And so how do we connect with those people? We connect with lost people by adding value to them, by serving them. So Paul, his, his passion to reach people of Christ, it, 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 it changed him. It, it included everybody. But in his passion to reach people for Christ, number three, it also established his identity. The moment he said, I'm going to go into their world, it helped him to understand who he was. Look what he said. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ. I want you to know that you don't have to be like them to reach them, but you do have to like them. you got to like them. And that's the problem. We don't like them. You don't have to be like them. In fact, Paul says, I, I'm, I'm a person of faith. I know who I am. I'm a Christ follower. I'm not compromising that. I'm not losing that. I'm not, not, not letting that go. I know who I am. But in the process of knowing who I am, I also want to now to find them. And I'm going to keep my own identity. I don't have to be like them, but I have to like them. And in reality, many Christians don't like certain people. Their behaviors don't measure up. Their lifestyle doesn't measure up. And, and so they just, they, they're just kind of put off by all of it. And, and they, they've not fallen in love with lost people. And here's what I know. You truly find out who you are when you leave your culture. When you leave your culture, you find out who you are. That's what Paul did. That's what I've done. You find out how strong your faith is. You see, at 12 Stone, it's very easy to have great faith. It's very easy to talk about God. I mean, you're among a bunch of Christians. Yay, 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 yay. But then you go out into the marketplace. Now you begin to find out who you really are. I can still remember at 17 when I received Christ, I, I was going to go back to high school, and I, I, I wanted to be able to establish who I was. But I didn't want to do it in a blatant way, and I had a little testament, and I decided that I would just put it in my shirt pocket and go to school with a testament pocket. It's kind of my way of maybe saying I was a Christian. And I'll never forget, I walked in my homeroom, Jack Martin stopped me before I ever got to my desk and said, what's that, John? And I, I, I kind of golfed a little bit. I said, well, that's a, that's a New Testament. He said, what you got that for? And I said, well, I, you know, I, I became a Christian. I didn't say any more, and he didn't say any more, and I just walked to my seat. But, what, but, but I want you to understand something. When you go out into a culture that's not Christian, you very quickly find out how Christian you are. You very quickly find out who you are in Christ. 
And as I was crossing over, when my books began to sell in the secular market, and I realized that more uh, secular people were buying my books than, quote, Christian people, I, I kept asking myself, why am, I, why am I crossing over? I'm crossing over for one reason. I'm crossing over because I'm going to be able to take the message of Christ to people that aren't going to come to church. They're never going to hear a pastor's sermon. They're, they, they, they don't have Christian friends. I, I'm going to take my message to Christ to somebody that's not getting the message. I'm going to become a missionary in my own land. And as, as I thought about that, Here's what I realized. I, 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 I didn't forget who I was. In fact, when I'm with the secular world, I'll say, hey, my name's John, and I'm your friend. And, and it's well known that I talk about all the time. I'll say, now, I'm a person of faith. Now, I'm a person of faith. Uh, I want to add value to you. In fact, I'm, I'm writing a book right now, and in a, uh, there's a faith section, and I, I tell all my secular friends, okay, this is a little too God for you. Just skip this section and go to the next chapter. <laughs> I just love doing that. They, they don't dare skip that section. They can hardly read, wait to read that section. I know them. I understand. I, I've never forgotten who I was, but can I tell you, I've never forgotten why I crossed over. I crossed over because it's the only way we're going to reach them for Jesus Christ. And many Christians have forgotten that lost people are lost. Look at me, my friend. Lost people are lost. And without God, and without Christ in their heart as Savior, they go to hell. They're lost. They aren't partially lost, or maybe lost, or kind of lost, or could be lost, or maybe they are lost. They're lost. Lost people are lost. And the question I have to ask, the question we all have to ask ourselves is, is what, am I, what am I going to do? What am I going to do with the lost? Am I going to have a heart for my community as much as I have a heart for my church? Number four. The, the passion that Paul had to reach people for Christ challenged him to enter their world and get out of his comfort zone. What did he say? But I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. Wow. Notice this. He entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. Not his point of view. Not the church's point of view. Not the point of view that makes us all comfortable and just kind of satisfied and happy. No, I tried to experience things from their point of view. When I know who I am, I need to know who they are. I've got to find them before I can reach them. Wow. I have a list of, of my people that I'm working on intentionally to, to bring to Christ, and my list is a tough list. I mean, I've I got a tough list. I've had some on my list for quite some time, uh, and, and I'm thinking of an atheist friend of mine right now um, who, who just loves me, and I love him, and, and he's attracted to me because I just keep loving him, and he tries to startle me, <laughs> and he tries to throw me. And he can't startle me, and he can't throw me. Because unconditional love doesn't get startled, doesn't get thrown. So we're in a conversation and, 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 uh, on the phone, and, um, and, and he said, well, you know, John, let me tell you. He said, one of the reasons I'm an atheist is because uh, you're God. I mean, I, I could never let, believe in a God that would let people go to hell. And I'll call him Joe. That's not his name. I, I, I said, oh, Joe. I so agree with that. 
man, I never could serve a God would let people go to hell either. And he got real quiet. He said, what do you mean you couldn't do that? I said, I, I, I wouldn't serve a God to let people go to hell. Well, he said, you do. I said, Joe, what do you mean I do? He said, your God sends people to hell. Oh, I said, Joe, ah, not my God. My God wants to keep you from hell so bad, he gave his own son to die on a cross to keep you from. He gave up his son to keep you from going to hell. In fact, I said, Joe, here's what you got to understand, buddy. Here's what you got to understand. You've got to step over God to go to hell. And he got real quiet. I said, I never thought of it like that. Oh, I said, Joe, hang with me, buddy. I said, I just, you just share me all the things that you don't care about God, and we'll just talk about him. Just have at it. I was sitting beside a person recently and, and, and sharing my faith, and they said, I, I'm here to tell you right now, uh, the church just doesn't love us. And uh, boy, I, I mean, I, I would feel very uncomfortable in church. They're always judging and and. So I let them talk and vent on that for a little bit, and when they're finished, I said, you know what, you're, you're right. And could I, could I ask your forgiveness for that? They said, what do you mean? I said, I would like to ask the forgiveness on behalf of the church for so wrongly trying to fix you and correct you instead of unconditionally love you. I, I, I'm here to tell you, folks, how can I talk like that? How can I connect like that? Because I understand what Paul did. Paul said, I'm going to enter your world and I'm going to begin, I'm going to begin thinking like you think. Our problem is we think like Christians think, and that's not good. Because Christians don't think very good when it comes to lost people. And they want to fix lost people. Again, I don't know who you're trying to correct, but lost is lost. So you corrected them, they're still lost. What part of this do you not understand? Why can't you just love people as they are? Lost is lost. Unless I'm misunderstanding something, the only answer for lost people is Jesus. Not you. Not me. Jesus. And we ought to be doing everything we possibly can to get them to the only one that can help them. That can, the only one that can, that can fix their life. But when you get in this world... You're not in your comfort zone. Listen to me. I, I, I remember when I crossed over, and I, I, was, I remember at Sam's Club in Tampa, Florida, I, was, I spoke all day on, on leadership to, the, to, I don't know, three or 4,000 people. And I asked the leaders, I said, could I have a voluntary kind of like faith service tomorrow morning for all kind of people that just would like to hear about faith? And, and, and they said, yes, of course, Sam's Club, like Walmart, they start real early. They said, it, it'll have to be at 6 o'clock because we start at 7. I said, okay. So I told people, if you want to come, 6 o'clock tomorrow, we'll just, we'll just talk about faith. I'll be here. And, and, and so I, I thought, okay, I, I did that. The next morning, walking three blocks over to the convention center at 5.30, I thought that was one of the dumbest things I've ever done. <laughs> Who's going at 5.30? Come out and talk about faith. I'm telling you, the evil one just jumped all over me. And I got in there, and there were 500 people waiting. And I, and I shared my faith. But, but the other thing is, in my world, 
you know, when I share my faith, it's very lonely. I, I don't get a good worship team to warm them up. <laughs> I mean, at 12 stone, you're so good with everything in the preliminaries. By the time Pastor Kevin preaches, I mean, he could say hickory dickory dock and five people would get saved. You know what I'm saying? And, I mean, you just, whee! I mean, you're just on that, whoa, yeah, this is good. Hey, yeah. And I'm telling you, in my world, they're just looking at you and they're hungover. And they want to know what the heck you're doing there. And what you up to? What are you up to? You see, while I teach and do my share of my faith, they're not agreeing with it. They're wanting to know what the catch is. My friend, the moment you begin to share your faith with lost people outside of the church, you will really find the power of the Holy Spirit like you've never found it before. When you step out on that limb and you get out there on that edge, you're going to find that's when you are going to get more of God than you've ever had before. To be honest with you, you just need to get in an environment of God in the church and you're kind of already swayed. But when you're out there all alone and it's against the odds and it isn't easy and it isn't difficult and all of a sudden you feel the peace and the power and the love that God gives you for these people, all of a sudden you'll begin to say, this God is amazing what He does to equip and help me. You see, the passion that Paul had, number five, helped him become creative. This, this is where his creativity comes in. He, look at what he says. I, I become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempt to lead those I meet into the God-saved life. He said, look, at I, I've just become all kind of servant. In other words, this kind of servant doesn't work with him. Oh, what kind, okay, that didn't work. Oh, how do I add value? Oh, I'll do that. Oh, that didn't work. Oh, I'll add value. I mean, this guy just keeps moving around. And he's going, how am I going to connect? How am I going to connect? How am I going to connect? You see, the key to creativity is that you believe there's always an answer. And the Apostle Paul believed that everybody wanted to get saved. He just had to find that connecting point. And so he was creative. You see, when I... When I expect people to enter into my world, it's all mine. It's all my way. It's all the things I'm comfortable with. But the moment that I enter into their world, I've got to become incredibly connected. I've got to become cre amazingly creative because, because now I'm in a world that I don't know or that I don't live in. I'm known for the four pictures of God. These are pictures that you show of God that help people develop a relationship with Him because I believe the main reason people don't have a relationship with God is because they have a wrong picture of God. And so I hang with sinners. And the four pictures of God, what people don't understand, I got them all from sinners. Sinners helped me create the plan of salvation. I didn't get them from a bunch of Christians. They're so far from it anymore, they forgot. See, I'd run into people and they say, well, you know, I just don't think I can get to God. I, I, there may be a God, but He doesn't seem accessible to me. I just listened to that for a while and then I started drawing the picture of a fence. You're on the outside, He's on the inside. And then I heard people say, well, I can tell you this. If you knew how much sinning I'm doing, you, you'd know God isn't coming near me. And I began to look at all, and that's where I got the garbage can. And then I had people say, well, I think I'm a good person. I think I'm going to get there. I, you know, I, I'm a good dad, and I'm a good husband, and I'm, I'm a good family guy, community guy, and I, that's where I got the stairway of good works. I, I got all the pictures of God from lost people who had, that's how they looked and saw God. And then I put the door with Christ knocking on the door. You, you see... I become creative in all my ways to connect with lost people. When I'm teaching in conferences, a lot of times I'll say, now there are four ways that you can add value to people. I'll give you three. 
And so I give them the three. If you want to add value to people, value people. Make yourself more valuable. Uh, um, do the things that people value. And, and I'll, I'll give them those three. And, and I won't give them four. And lots of people say, well, you said there were four. Well, there are four, but it's not for you. It's for me. Well, so what do you mean it's for me? Well, I'm a person of faith. Well, what is it? Well, okay, I'll tell you what it is, but don't write it down. <laughs> don't even listen to it. I, I, I try to do things that God values. And then I go right on. I, I, I just leave them. I, when I'm with business people, they say, where do you get your business ideas? I say Proverbs. <laughs> Proverbs. What you need to do is read one proverb a day for a month. There's 31 of them. And I will promise you that you in 31 days will get a business idea and a business thought that you've never had before. You just try it. I, talk, I have a lecture called If I Could Spend a Day With You. And then when I finished talking about if I could spend a day with you, I said, well, there's one other thing I would share with you if I could spend a day with you. But in the secular crowd, I can't do that. Well, what is it? Well, I, I'm sorry, I can't do that. But, but if I was with you individually, I could. And, and uh, well, I, what it is is I would share my faith, but I, I can't do that here, and I, I, don't, I don't want to offend anybody. But if you and I were together, I would talk to you about what God can do in your life. When I do that, I have anywhere from 100 to 150 people stand in line and ask me to talk to them about that. When I talk about who luck, who luck is the most important luck you can have, who you know. I say, well, the most, you know, if you ask me, who do I, John, who do you know that I should know? I, excuse me, I talk to you about God. You talk about who luck, that's huge who luck. Now, 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 do you see where I'm coming from? I talk their language every day. And I connect with them, and I love them, and they love me, and they're safe with me. And I've learned how to do it. And people ask me all the time, they say, John, how can you, you, you I mean, you've got all these ways, and you're, you, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says the person that wins people to Christ is wise. And, and why does the Bible say that if you're a soul winner that you're wise? I'll tell you why. You're wise because you live in a world that doesn't have easy answers. And so in living in that world that doesn't have easy answers, You'll find those answers. When I began sharing my faith, people would ask me questions about God that I wouldn't know, and I'd say, I don't know. It's a good question. Can you give me a week? I'll come back with an answer. And I'd go figure out the answer. I'd come back with a week. I did that. I've done it. After you do that thousands of times, can I tell you something? You have all the answers in the world. I don't mean this unkindly. I can be with a bunch of secular people, and they can stand up all day and ask me questions, and I can sit here, drink my bottle of water, and smile at them and give them answers that are compatible to where they live. Where did I get that wisdom? I got that wisdom because I live in a world that every Christian should live in. Christians, I got a thought for you. Hang around with lost people. Here's what Christians don't understand. When you go to heaven, there's no lost people. So you can hang around with Christians for eternity. <laughs> what the heck are you doing now? There's lost people. Can, can we get the picture? There's lost people. There's, this, is, this is our opportunity. We, we got one shot, and it's right now. We got one shot. And what do we want to do as Christians? We want to hang around with each other. It's enough to make me want to throw up. <laughs> Honest to God. The moment you become intentional in your relationships with lost people, you're going to begin to live an exciting Christian Holy Spirit, God-filled life that you have never imagined in your life because God is out there on the edge with you because that's where his heart is. Paul's passion finally, number six, allowed him to love and live out the message. 
He said, I did all of this because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. The other day I was in, uh, in Brussels and I was speaking at a big leadership conference and I had a, a lady named Susan come up and give me a big hug and big tears in her eyes and she said, John, she said, you're my spiritual daddy. And that meant a lot to me because I had led her and her husband to Christ. Her husband was an agnostic. Uh, we were talking one day and, and uh, he was talking about some challenges he was having and I said to him, I said, ask God to help you. Well, he said, I, I never asked God to help me. I'm not even sure there is a God. Oh, I said, I don't care about that. Just ask him to help you anyway. He said, you're kidding me. I said, he helps me and he'll help you. He would like to help you just as much as he'd like to help me. He literally went into another conference, and he, it was not going well in the first 15 minutes. And he said, John, under my breath, I said, God, help me. And then he said, I, I said, what am I saying that for? <laughs> and then he said, it turned. And after it was over, I was going to my elevator, back up to my room, and I was saying, I'm not even sure there's a God, but I, someone help me. And I began working with him. His wife, beautiful, beautiful gal, kicked out of her, out of her cult. She was in a cult, and when she married him, the cult kicked her out. So she was in a cult. He's an agnostic. And I just kept loving them and loving them. And uh, they just found Jesus so beautifully. And she comes up and hugs me and calls me her spiritual daddy. There's a little poem that says, When you enter the beautiful city and the saved all around you appear, what joy when someone will tell you. It was you who invited me here. And I want you, I want every one of you, to bring people to Jesus that not the church but you led to him. That's my prayer, Father, for 2017. That's my prayer for 12 stone. That's my prayer for Kevin. That's my prayer. I'm going to ask that there would be a deep spiritual work happen within this congregation. And men and women would begin to have a passion and a heart for lost people, understanding that they're lost. And so many times it's not going to be the church that's the answer. So many times it's going to be they are the answer. If they don't share their faith, their faith that person will not come into the kingdom. So, God, I just pray that you give us a heart for lost people and begin to break our heart and give us a passion. May we begin to reprioritize what we do, who we're with, why we're doing it. May we become intentional in developing relationships with lost people. May we hunger to find people that need you. And Holy Spirit, I would ask in closing that you would empower this congregation, that your Holy Spirit would fill every person and they would truly be witnesses unto you. I give this message to you. I give this beautiful people to you. And I'm believing that for many in the next year, they're going to be able to say, I have a gift to bring to Jesus when I stand before him. And that gift 
is a person I led to him. I pray that in your name. Amen. 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 Isn't that good? When John finished that prayer, uh, I stepped up among the staff and this took a moment. I mean, I literally, I just raised my hand and I said, we can be so busy with life that it's just easy to move away from being deeply invested in the lives of people who are near us but far from God. And I, I honestly, I, I raised my hand to the staff. I just, I, hands up for me. I, I want God to renew that in me. I want to be a part of personally, not just what we get to do as a church. Uh, I, I, know, I know it's in our heart. I know we see people come to Christ all the time. You know, it's a powerful, beautiful, wonderful thing, but there, there's something about the intimacy of, okay, so God, who have you put in my life? Who's far from you but near me? So I literally, I mean, I just said to the staff, I'm raising my hand, and, 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 and I'm, I'm renewing that commitment before God. You know, maybe that's already deep in you and, and, and you've got your list and you're praying and that's awesome. And you're, but maybe, maybe you would join me. Huh? Maybe, maybe you would say, I too. I mean, I want God to put a fire in me like you put in Paul. I want it to, to be so real in me that it's real everywhere I go. I, w- I want God to open up doors. I want to help people come to Jesus. That's just it. I just, I want to help people come to Jesus. So if you're in that group, I want to pray for us. Uh, I'm in the group. My hand's up. Maybe, maybe you all the more. Maybe you're already there and that's good. And your hand can go up quickly, but maybe others of you. So if that's true of you, raise your hand right now. I want to pray for us, God. Numbers of us are just saying, yes, I all the more want this to be true of me. It's already true for us in our heart. I know that, but but God, there's there's something about the intensity of a fire that burns in us, and and your love for people are far from you. I was once that person. I don't want to be uh, so long in the church that I forget what lost really means and how lost they are. I want to live intentionally. I want to love unconditionally. I want to be the one through whom your Holy Spirit can give answers clearly. So Holy Spirit, for all of us who would say, I want that renewed in me. I want that fire uh, stoked in my soul. God, help me live more intentionally. Maybe we walk from this place. We just begin to Look around and see differently how we engage people who are far from you. So let the weight of this message, Holy Spirit, land squarely in our hearts. Do more than renew it, God. May we walk differently from this day forward. Even seeing the effects of this, perhaps as Easter and following, God. And through this year, can we be a part of seeing your lost sons and daughters come into the kingdom and not just us collectively as a church, but that each one of us, I want to be a part of that. I, 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 I want to look at that per se. I, I was a part of this one right here. So do this in our hearts, I pray in Christ's name. Everyone agreed, same. Amen. Amen.